Yesterday lunchtime, we were eating together as a family and we started to have a conversation about what kinds of food are healthy to eat. And it then got related back to what we'd all had for breakfast. And one of the boys said to the other one, well, you can't talk about healthy eating because you had crisps for breakfast. To which the other one then very quickly snapped back and said, well, you can't talk. You didn't have crisps for breakfast. You had toffee pops for breakfast. Now, just in case you don't know what toffee pops are, toffee pops are not a cereal. They're a biscuit. They're a bit like a Twix, but round. So biscuit, caramel, chocolate. They're quite nice, but probably not for breakfast. Now, please, please don't start judging us as parents. Please give us a bit of of leeway at the moment. But it highlights a problem, doesn't it? Highlights a problem. And it's the one that Jesus brought our attention to in Matthew 7, verse 5, when it says, First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. There is often a problem for us as human beings that we like to go around commenting or thinking about the things that other people are doing and their behaviour. Yet at the same time, we may not actually be prepared to deal with exactly those same issues in our own heart. So we can say one thing, but then do another. And the result is that we get a growing disconnect between, if you like, our outward persona and the inner reality. Jonah chapter 3. Jonah is told by God for a second time to go to Nineveh. He's the only Old Testament prophet who God has to tell twice to do the same thing. But this time, he actually goes, he obeys, and off he goes to this great big city. Enormous by ancient standards. 120,000 people lived there. It was spread over quite a big area. And like many travelling preachers, Jonah has one message to bring. But unlike many preachers, Jonah is not a man for many words. Why, why speak for half an hour when actually you can just say eight words? Perhaps there's a lot um, for us as preachers to learn from Jonah in this. So his proclamation is simply this. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. No illustrations, no stories, no PowerPoints, not for Jonah. He's Mr. Minimalist. Just a straight, stark message. And so if we look at the outward, if we look at what happens, it all looks very successful. Jonah's preaching, you see, it produces what can only be described as spectacular results. Just imagine for a minute Jonah travelling around this great big city of Nineveh. He's there in the marketplace. He's there in the public square. He's there talking to people on the street corners. To anybody and everybody who'll listen to his message, he's there proclaiming what God has given him. And what starts to happen? Well, a grassroots movement starts to spring up on the streets of Nineveh. People realise that God is speaking to them and people start to repent. They start to turn away from all the wickedness that we looked at in chapter 1 and start to want to live differently. And it works from the ground up, but eventually the king hears of it. And so the whole city is then drawn to God, asking for forgiveness, coming in repentance. They fast, including the animals, interestingly. They wear sackcloth and they sit in the dust. And by the end of verse 10, the whole city has repented and God has withheld his hand of judgment and destruction. So it doesn't really matter what angle we take on this passage, which bit of it we look at. It all looks successful, doesn't it? We've seen at the beginning, God gave Jonah a second chance. We've seen that then God obeys Jonah. Jonah goes off preaching. The people listen, the people repent, and God withholds destruction. Everything looks like an outward 
success. I wonder today if you're a follower of Jesus, how do you react in life when things go really well? How do you react when perhaps, you know, you've got that promotion at work or God has in, in some incredible way answered prayer? Or just that life is actually actually going pretty well? You know, quite often, and I think particularly over the last few weeks and months, we've we've wrestled with some of those tough questions about God being with us in the times of trial. About how it's often in difficult times that God will mould us and, and shape us and, and draw close to us. And I don't know what your experience of life is, but mine has certainly been that when I've been in the tough times, the valley places, it's there that I've learned that I have to cling on to God. And it's there that I've found that God has been faithful and he's been true to his word. But what about the other side? What about when things are going well? When actually we're, we're not at risk of sinking. Well, actually, in the times of success, our character can be revealed in quite different ways. In success, in success, sometimes the real us, if you like, can start to rear its head. And we can easily fall into the trap of thinking, well, I'm self-made, I'm self-assured. We can have pride even in our success. And if you go too far down that road, the biggest illusion that I believe a human being can fall into is that we start to think that we have no need of God. And in times of success, actually, the problems of disconnect between what we portray and actually the reality of what's going on inside can go ever deeper and wider. Jonah, outwardly, at the end of chapter 3, is in a good place, outwardly. He's given the second chance from God. He's received God's mercy. He's then done this preaching tour that has sparked the greatest spiritual awakening of the Old Testament. And yet... And yet, there is a problem for Jonah. The outward persona, the success, is not going to match the inner reality. One of the most dangerous things, I think, for any preacher is to preach a message that they're not willing to apply to themselves or they've not applied to themselves. And it just ends up, again, with this inconsistency, this disconnect. Jonah seems happy to go around Nineveh preaching this message of judgment. But actually, when he had rebelled against God, when he had gone his own way, what Jonah had received from the Lord was rescue and mercy. Now, Jonah's preach, Jonah's message was not an easy message for anybody to have to bring. What a tough message to have to take to the greatest city, this pagan city, the greatest city on the face of the earth at the time. It's a tough ask. But for somebody whose inner life was like Jonah's, all it seeks to do is reveal that actually his heart isn't as close to God as it needed to be. However, there is an encouragement here. You know, God doesn't wait for people to be sorted before he uses us. He doesn't wait for us to be all sort of lined up and sort of walking in the kind of perfection before he will call us. He uses broken people, flawed people, people whose lives are in a mess. People like Jonah, people like me, people like you. And if we will listen to God's call over our lives, God will use us in amazing ways. So even though God is in the business of transformation, even though he doesn't want us to stay in those places of disconnect, he will still use imperfect people like you and me, out of his love, out of his compassion. But for Jonah, and next week as Sarah takes us through chapter 4, we'll see the disconnect is very wide and it's getting wider. Jonah is going to be shown up. He's going to be revealed as this unforgiving, xenophobic, lacking in mercy, judgmental and angry man. 
But actually, we've already had glimpses of this earlier on in the book. In chapter 2, when God shows mercy to Jonah, when Jonah has been swallowed by this great big fish, he talks about his distress. He celebrates God's rescue. He's happy to talk about making vows of praise and celebration. But for all his elegant praise, for all his poetry inside the belly of the fish, Jonah never comes to a place of repentance. He never actually says sorry to God for the stuff that's going on inside of him. And in effect, what Jonah ends up doing is actually telling a good spiritual story. I think it can be quite easy for us as Christians, for as followers of Jesus, to try and cultivate a good outward spiritual persona, to, to say the right things. To even, perhaps in more normal times, turn up to the right things. And yet actually, if we're honest, deeply honest with ourselves, there is still inner turmoil in a conflict, still stuff that doesn't measure up, stuff that doesn't add up, the growing disconnect between the spiritual persona and the reality of inner life. I don't know this morning whether, as we're talking about this, you actually realise that there are things going on in your life and whether there are things going on in my life that actually we need to address. Things where that disconnect is growing, things where we're not joined up as God would want us to be. If you bring that before the Lord... If I bring that before the Lord, you know, we will find God to be merciful and in Christ offering us forgiveness. I remember quite a number of years ago hearing a story about a a group of ministry students who were learning how to preach. And as part of this, they were sent out to various churches on on a Sunday and they were given free reign to, to preach on whatever they felt God had called them to preach on. And then they had to feed back to their group and sort of say how things had gone, what they felt about it and, and so on and so on. And one of them said, well, in feeding back, the teacher said, well, what did you preach on? And this one person said, I gave the congregation a message like Jonah. I came and I preached judgment and I preached that Jesus would return as the judge of the living and the dead and that they need to repent. To which the teacher then replied, well, did you do it with tears in your eyes? Did you do it with a broken heart? Did you do it with the heart of God that longs to reach out to people in mercy and compassion and forgiveness, if they will just turn to him. See, there's a danger, isn't there? That we can easily point the finger around at other people. But actually we forget to remember that God through Christ has come to us in mercy, in love and forgiveness. And if we don't remember that, there's just the disconnect. See, outward success in life, in ministry, can be a great thing. It can be a God-ordained thing. It was in Jonah's case. Many lives were saved through the success of Jonah's ministry. And yet at the end of chapter 3, Jonah is in a dangerous and disconnected place. In just a few moments, we're going to share communion together. And we remember in bread and wine that we are receivers through Christ of God's mercy. That we too, through the work of Jesus on the cross, just like the people of Nineveh, can be rescued and saved, but not just for this life, but for eternity. That we, just like Jonah, are people who God has given a second chance to, or a third chance to, or a fourth chance to. And we can also be open to the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, as he indwells us, as he fills us, as he transforms us. But at the cross, as we gather, there is this reminder too, isn't there? That Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. 
Now, as we look at our world with all its racism, with all its greed, with all its abuse and poverty and violence, the answer is Christ and his gospel, and I firmly believe that today. But to bring that answer without actually applying it to ourselves actually leads us to be like a Jonah. To speak of others' anger without actually addressing the anger that's deep inside of us. To point the finger at others' greed without looking at the issues of greed in us. To point the finger of judgment without realising that actually we have been the receivers of God's mercy and his grace and his love. Just pulls apart and disconnects our inner life and our outer life. So what does God want from us this morning? What does God desire? Psalm 51 verses 16 and 17 says this. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not be despised. I wonder this morning if, as we come before the Lord, if you have that broken heart, that contrite spirit, that sense of actually we know we are receivers of God's mercy. We are the ones who need the good news. Do you have that sense of, of God working in you, of transforming you, of, of bringing an end to those areas of disconnect in our lives? Let's make it our prayer this morning that we will be open to God, that we will allow his spirit to work in us, to transform us, so that we may become more and more like, like Jesus, like the Son of God, and not be like Jonah. Let me just pray for us. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Lord, I want to pray for each of us this morning, that you will help us to approach you as we truly are. Thank you that in you we don't have to put up pretense, but we can just approach you knowing that you are full of mercy and compassion. So I pray, Lord, that this morning, as in a few moments we gather to take communion, that if there are things we need to say sorry to you for, Lord, just give us the courage to do that, to come and confess the disconnects in our own life. And Lord, we thank you that you are merciful and gracious and compassionate. Thank you that you love us and thank you that you came and died for us. In Jesus' name, amen.